I was a person who needed approval from people. And that kind of dictated my life in a way. And I'm not that way anymore. I don't need people's approval anymore. I am not afraid to say no anymore. I'm not afraid to say yes to things. So the self-doubt, that's what I want less of in my life. And I'm working towards that. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired, and please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. I am just delighted to welcome Benja K. Thomas to the My Fourth Act podcast. Benja is an Obie and Odelko award-winning actress, writer, and producer. Benja and I briefly worked together in the 1980s when I was a theater director. I think of Benja as that remarkable performer whose career has picked up steam over time. She has acted in films, television, regional theater, and very notably on the New York stage, in choice venues like the Public Theater, Playwrights Horizons, and the Atlantic Theater Company. Right before COVID shut down New York York Theater, Benja was part of the ensemble of the award-winning play Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven. The writer in me just loves the title of that play. (laughs) So uh, welcome, Benja. Thank you for having me. I feel honored to be here with you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. I have so many reasons for wanting to speak with you. One of the things I love about artists, let me just set the stage before we start, is that artists keep working at their craft and the craft keeps growing and maturing over time. And because you've had a sustained career, like how we continue to develop that and grow really interests me. Before we start, I take every guest back to their childhood. And I'm curious about Benja, when you were a young girl or teenager, the cliche is that, that you wanted to be an actress from the day you were born. Did you want to be an actress or who did you think you wanted to be when you were young? Well, I remember being four or five years old, having the big, humongous television in the apartment. Mm-hmm. It was uh, black and white, I believe, um, not even color. And I just wanted to jump into the screen and be a part of what they were doing. I look back at that and I say, wouldn't that be something if this little young black girl jumped into one of those black and white movies Uh (laughs) and they were like, who the hell is this heifer coming in here? You know, but I've always, I think I've always wanted to be a performer, always. And I grew up as an only child, even though I am not an only child. So I had to be creative and I played a lot with my imagination. So I was always performing, actually. You know, some people who have those dreams then go to a performing arts high school or they study theater in college. How early did you really grab onto performing and said, gosh, this is going to be a career for me? Well, honestly, my path has been a little different. Woman who raised me, my adoptive mother, never saw that as a career. So I never saw it as a career. I didn't know that you could make money as an artist. I didn't know that you could make money as a performer. So it was a hobby for me. I 
didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to college, I took courses, but I never really dedicated myself to a particular curriculum. So I, I went into advertising and merchandising because I said, well, maybe I'll be a buyer. And then uh, I went into science. And then, I mean, I just did so many things. Then I left college. So I never really went to school. But then, you know, the acting bug kept bothering me. So I took some community workshops. And mm -hmm. that's where I really developed um, my passion I said I need to go for this because this is something that I love to do. How old were you when you said to yourself, I want to go for this? Just want to get a sense of that. I was a couple of ages. <laughs> you were what? <laughs> <laughs> I was a couple of ages. So I'll explain that answer to you. So, That's such an uh, actress answer, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, When I was around 18 and 19, I wanted to be an actress, but then I started modeling. I was doing a lot of runway shows. Then I did a little something. I did a little acting here and there, but, you know, it wasn't anything. It was just community stuff. I moved out to California, got married to a man who was horrible. I joined a theater course there. When I came back from California that's when I really started to pursue it, but that was later on. So I think I might've been maybe 25, mm -hmm. maybe 25, 30. And then I left again and we'll get into that. Then I really came back to it in 2015. And that's when I really became serious. Yeah. Those are such juicy touch points for me. I had a conversation just last week with a woman who has, she's a senior HR director in a corporation and she is 50 years old. And she was sent to me because the person who sent her to me said, you know, her secret dream is to be a professional actress. She's mm. not happy where she is, but, you know, can you talk to her? And I asked the question and it was the classic thing. Well, she's had this dream since she was a teenager, but she didn't think it could ever happen for her. So your story, without all the details, is really inspirational already. Can I bring you to those two touch points? One is, when you left for a while, what did you do? And what prompted you to come back in, you said, 2015? Well, I'm going to be totally transparent, and you could cut out what you need to, all right? Okay. <laughs> I met a guy. Yeah. I was in a play. I met a guy. I fell in love. I was also a teaching artist with a company called the Leadership Program. Mm -hmm. So I was doing some teaching artist work and I was doing some acting. Come to find out, I married this man, but he had four children from four different baby mamas. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, you know, my friends would say, well, I don't know why you want to get involved with this guy. But, you know, you can't help who you love. You really can't. We got married and two of his children came to live with us. Mm -hmm. They were young girls. And I said to myself, I can't pursue my art and raise these girls, even though they weren't my biological children. Yeah. I was adopted. I had a beautiful adoptive mother. And I wanted to be the same for these girls, even mm -hmm. though I had no children of my own. So I left. Oh, and also, you know, doing a teaching artist thing. So I left to raise these girls. 
And I just stuck with teaching artists, raising these girls until I couldn't be a teaching artist anymore. And the girls were getting older. So I said to my husband, I can't do the teaching artist thing anymore. I I cannot. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, I have your back. Do whatever you want to do. And so that was around 2015. And that's when I got into it really seriously. By the time 2015 came around, you were a mature, grown woman. and I was old. I wasn't going to go there, Ben Jeff. <laughs> oh, no. What intrigues me because, you know, we all hear all sorts of stories about, you know, you're too old to do this now. This isn't the right time to do this. Who do you think you are? You really think you're going to have a big professional career now? Did you have those voices? Did you reconcile those voices? How did you transition into being like a serious professional actress? I did not have those voices. I really didn't. Once my husband said, I got you, I said, you know, let me do what I think that I need to do in order to, you know, get back into theater. I called a friend of mine who is a um, excellent director, writer, uh, Robert O'Hara. He's very well known, but I met him when he was at Columbia studying and I called him. He was casting something at Playwrights Horizon. And I said, Robert, I know you asked me to do this play before and I wasn't really, you know, ready. Can I at least audition for you? Can Mm -hmm. I at least do that? And he was like, sure, come audition for me, Benji. You know, you can always audition for me. And so it was just really kind of easy getting back to it. I auditioned, (laughs) I got the part, you know, this was a regional theater gig. So it was in Philadelphia. When I got to Philadelphia, the insecurity started to kick in and I almost got fired from that job because I was like, I hadn't been on stage in like eight years. I didn't know what to do. I, I was off book when I, when I got there, I couldn't remember a damn line. I couldn't remember anything. My confidence was, I didn't have it. So finally I got it together. He didn't fire me and the rest (laughs) is history. (laughs) But it was because of my good friend, Robert O'Hara, that he also gave me that push to let me know that I could do it. Nice. My sense of you is just from following you on social media, and we know a lot of some of the same people from back in the days, is that what I heard in the story is not everybody has a Robert O'Hara that they can call. You had community. You had friendships. You had people who loved you and believed in you. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that and how that has influenced and shaped you in your life? I'm hesitating because sometimes you don't know that you have that. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a dream and you have friends, but you don't know how much they support you until you reach out to them or that they don't support you when you reach out to them. I really didn't know that I have it. All I know is that I'm a good person. If somebody needs anything and I can do it, I will, or I will give advice, or I will give my heart, or I will listen. I guess it's reciprocal from the universe. So it just came back to me. But I never really thought about, okay, I have this community of friends I can call anytime, place. The only person that I really feel that way about is my husband. Mm-hmm. Him, I can rely on. Everybody else, you know, I feel special when it happens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's answering your question. No, it is. I'm thinking a, the coach in me. For a long time, I didn't have the courage to ask for help. And for me, when I ask for help, I've learned, spiritually speaking, that the universe wants to help me and people want to help me, but it's my friggin' <laughs> job to ask, you know? Amen. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. You're a working actress. You've been you've been in some film. You've been on TV. You've done some really cool plays. If you had to just since 2015, what are some highs that stand out for you? Like, gosh, this is what I love about having decided to be a serious working actress. And conversely, also, if there were any moments where you go, I don't know, I can do this. This is too friggin' hard. You know, take us to both extremes and maybe to moments that stand out in your mind. I know exact moments for both of those. Okay. When I came back to New York, I did the same play I did in Philadelphia. It was called Booty Candy. Mm -hmm. And it was at Playwrights Horizons. I had Songheim come see the show. I had, wow. I mean, there were, you know, Billie Jean King. I mean, there were celebrities coming to see me perform on stage and asking to speak to me afterwards, you wow. know? So that was amazing because I was just getting back into my career. I didn't have an agent at the time. I found, and I remember looking for agents, asking friends about agents. Agents came to me and I had a choice of eeny, meeny, miny, mo. So I was able to get with an agency that I love, that I'm still with. Nice. And it just felt really, really good to be appreciated for the work that I put in. Highs, lows. You mentioned halfway bitches, right? Mm -hmm. I love that play. I love Stephen Gurgis, Pulitzer Prize winning author. I've known him from back in the day when we did uh, teaching artist work. Yeah. But that shit was hard. I don't know if I can curse on your podcast. You can say, I've been a teaching artist. I wasn't teaching us to a theater for a new audience. That's freaking hard <laughs> to slip into the neighborhoods and do your thing. Right. So I, I'm with you on that one. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not talking about the teaching artist thing. I'm just talking about the process of doing that play because it wasn't written. Uh, and we were in rehearsal, but the play wasn't written and the playwright wasn't coming into the rehearsal. So he had no idea what we were doing. And we were rehearsing every day for hours and hours and hours and hours with no script. That was hard. We were rehearsing six days a week. Also previewing rehearsals during the day, previewing. I'm getting older. I can't do this anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's hard work. Our first preview was four hours. We had been in rehearsal for seven hours already. Our first preview was four hours long because, you know, the playwright was in slicing and it was just very hard. It was very rewarding. I love the playwright. I love my cast, but it was just very hard. And I said to myself, I don't know if I can do theater anymore. Yeah. I don't know because it's, I would get up literally crying and my husband was like, I'll take you to rehearsal. Don't worry about it. I'll drive you there. I, I was like, I can't make it. I can't do it. It's hard. Theater is hard. I love it, but it's hard. It's hard work. A word from your sponsor. That's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans. And you will also learn more about the My Fourth Act Mastermind Groups, where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. For our listeners who are not actors, maybe glamorize theater because we just see the end product on stage, you know, after all the work that's put in. 
What's the hardest part about the work? Is it the constant repetition, the fine tuning in a new play, the cutting and tweaking and constant revisions? What's the hardest part for you as a performer? Well, for that particular play, it was hard not having it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and repeating the same lines over and over again because we didn't have new pages. So we just went over the same dialogue all over again. That was kind of hard because we did it already. We got it. Why are we doing it again? Just send us home. Why am I here? You know, I know this, but that's just the one thing because actually I love rehearsal. I love the process. I love learning. I love exploring. I love delving into new characters and finding why this character ticks. You know, I study everything about the character. From the time that this person works, wakes up, what kind of coffee they drink, if they drink it or not, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I put a lot of work into what I do, but I love that. I want to probe a little deeper on the perhaps slightly messy process with halfway bitches, but if I were to generalize it, and again, I'm addressing an audience of not theater people who are listening to us is, isn't every time we step into a role or a play or a performance a little bit into stepping number one into the unknown and potential chaos and then trying to make sense of it yeah but that's what i love about it okay i think i like chaos <laughs> <laughs> my whole life has been chaos let me tell you but i you know it's finding that way to who this person is it's just like finding out who you are you know it takes a it's a process and some days you know exactly who you are and some days you are damn I don't know if I can do that or I don't I don't know if I'm sure if I could take that step I don't know yeah. so that's what the rehearsal process is also even after show closes for non-theater people I know a lot of uh, actors they still visit the character the show is closed it's yeah. gone and you're still thinking about what you could have done and ways that you could have you yeah. know made the next decision yeah I understand. I want to go back to when you spoke about getting an agent. I'm a writer and I have an agent. And so I value the relationship to my agent and also value just the fact that somebody there believes in you and represents you. And can you just talk about, it's a very special relationship that people who have a nine to five job somewhere don't know. In the arts, you know, if you're a certain level, you do get an agent who believes in you. What's that relationship like? And, and what's it like to be represented by somebody? It feels amazing to know that somebody believes in your talent enough to want to represent you. When I first got my agent, I had three people courting me. It was kind of weird. The first agency I met with, this is so crazy. The first agent I met with, I liked the woman. Her partner came to see me. I met both of them. I, this woman, I, met, I first met her and then her partner came and her partner came to see the show, went up to another actress, was talking to this actress the whole time. And when I saw her, I said, hey, and she just walked by me and didn't even say anything. She mm -hmm. thought the other actress was me. I can't go with that agency because nope. she didn't even know who the nope. hell I was. <laughs> I sat there in this room for an hour speaking to this woman and she had no clue who I was. Okay, so she's gone. The second person I wanted to get with the agency, I won't let, I won't mention a name because it's a fairly big agency. The agent was drunk. You know, I could smell the alcohol and not saying that, you know, that's a bad thing. 
I just didn't feel it was a proper meeting. Yeah. So the third person that came to see me loved me. He says, I'm going to send my the head of the agency to see you. The head of the agency came. They courted me. And it was just amazing. They made me feel that I was special, that I could work, that they could send me out, that I would book. And it's an amazing feeling. I guess it's like getting a job that you really want. Yeah. I've arrived. And you say, I've arrived. So that's what I felt like. I felt like I've arrived. And you have, and I love that phrase, they courted me. It's wonderful to be courted and wonderful to be desired professionally. Absolutely. Uh, Awesome. So take us, you had just had this very intense experience with Halfway Bitches, and it was getting a lot of recognition. It was awards time. And then the theaters in New York shut down. And uh, I've had other actresses on the show, but you're the first one that can really talk to who was in a, what I call a hit play right before COVID shut everything down. What was it like for you to go from this high, intense high, to shoot, no more theater for a while? (laughs) Well, actually, it was crazy. Halfway Bitches had been extended several times. Yeah. It closed. In, I think, February, mm-hmm. I got an offer to do a show in Brooklyn at this place called the Billy Holiday Theater. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't going to do it because I was just tired. But then I looked at the schedule and I looked at how long it will run. And I said, OK, I'll do it. March 12th. So COVID was just starting to be televised. And I was very leery because I'm a conspiracy theorist. And I was telling my husband, you know, I, they're saying that nothing's wrong, but something's wrong. When they keep coming on TV every day and saying there's nothing wrong, there's something wrong. I don't want to go. I don't want to be around people because I think this COVID is real. March 12th, I remember I was in rehearsal and they said, no more rehearsals, Broadway closed. You could see people with hazmat suits in Madison Square Garden telling the people to leave. It was just crazy. And, you know, it just shut down. and. I was scared. Yeah. That's what it felt like. I felt yeah. fear. But I felt safety being in my apartment, not being exposed. So although I wanted to go to work and I still want to go to work, I still have that fear. It's just, you know, because I see how divided the world is over COVID. Yeah. How divided my friends are over COVID. So it was a very harrowing experience and it still continues to be today for me. Yeah. Matter of fact, I turned down an audition in Florida because of the COVID situation out there. I said, I'm not going out there. I'm not doing that. So I just turned down the audition. I said, I can't. Yeah. You know, you're talking to somebody who lives in Hollywood, Florida, right? Are you aware of that? Oh, I (laughs) (laughs) And so I just had to joke with you because the statistics on Florida are really bad. But in my everyday life, and Hollywood, just north of Miami, I feel very safe because of the choices I make about my life and the way I conduct myself. And I, I really understand people. The moment I leave Florida, people tend to freak out when I say that I live in Florida. <laughs> if you look at where you are today, and we, we're facing a really uncertain future, but you think about so, what are your dreams and aspirations for yourself going forward? As an actress and as, as a human being, as a wife, as a mother, what comes to mind when I ask that question? Well, career-wise, 
one thing that COVID has done for me is force me to look at my career trajectory. So if an agent doesn't call me with an audition, does that mean that I'm still not an actor? If I have other gifts, so I started writing. Uh-huh. So I'm working on screenplays and I'm working on a book. And that's what COVID has allowed me because everything slowed down. So now I have time to concentrate on these things. I had an online show I created with another friend of mine. And we did readings online on mm-hmm. Zoom, but you know, they were very successful. We had a very large audience. So there's always uncertainty. But it's what you do in those moments. And I'm making lemonade and it's sweet. I'm going to just follow up this kind of way. I ask this question of myself and others, and it's not easy. If you think about things that you, Benja, want to do more of in your life, maybe things you want to do less of. More of what comes to mind and less of what comes to mind. More of I want to write. I, when I was in college, my professors used to tell me you should be a writer. I didn't listen to that. I was a knucklehead in college. I didn't listen to that. But I'm starting to find my voice and I'm starting to like what I write, even if nobody else likes it. So I want to do more of that. And I'm doing more of that. It's not even I want to do. I'm doing more of that. I'm doing more writing. Less is doubting myself. I was a person who needed approval from people. And that kind of dictated my life in a way. And I'm not that way anymore. I don't need people's approval anymore. I'm not afraid to say no anymore. I'm not afraid to say yes to things. So the self-doubt, that's what I want less of in my life. And I'm working towards that. I mean, one of the challenging parts for being an actor or actress is that you, you know, you get rejected a lot and you've also gotten a lot of yeses. And no I got a lot of no's too. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> In light of what you just said, Benja, how do you handle or have you handled the rejection that's part of your profession that you love? Well, in the early days, because I was a person who was finding my voice and sometimes didn't feel worthy. Yeah. The rejection felt comfortable. Oh, Hmm. well, I wouldn't have done a good job anyway, or that wasn't for me anyway. Now it's their loss or it's not for me. Yeah. You know, this job is not for me. If it was, I would have it. I'm competing against thousands of people in this business. So when I book, I'm very appreciative. Because, it, you know, it's not an easy journey. Like I said, there's so many people competing for just one job. That's right. Even if it's like four lines. They're probably seeing 200 people for four lines. So I feel appreciated. And if I don't get it, I, I've learned to move on. It doesn't bother me. You know, I just go on yeah. to the next. And I have my writing. So I go back to that. As a fellow writer, what is your deepest satisfaction around writing because writing can be challenging as well but I I haven't heard that from you you sound like it's just a a joy ride for you I don't want to trivialize it but can you talk about the satisfaction you get out of writing the satisfaction I get is to finish (laughs) to finish (laughs) because you know it is difficult I've been working on a couple of things I was working on memoir 
that became hard because now I have to self-examine and I have to go back Mm -hmm. in time and I have to bring up things that I thought were handled or I thought, you know, I had an answer to. I had to leave that alone. So now I'm working on a book about actors and that's fun, the exploration of that. I'm sorry, what was the question, Hakeem? I just, I'm just kind of rambling. Uh, no, it just, uh, I've been hearing that there's a joy and satisfaction in writing that's perhaps different from the satisfaction of being a performer. And, and you answered it. You, you totally answered it. If there are people listening to our conversation and going, wow, I'm just so impressed, like Benja, as a mature woman, chose to fully step into her theater career. And now, because of COVID, she is more fully stepping into being a writer and embracing that. I wish I could do that too, but I'm a little afraid. I don't know if I can do what Benja is doing. Like what kind of words of wisdom would you have for somebody who might have those thoughts? I would say that you are above the ground. Don't let your ideas go to the grave with you. I think about that every day. I don't want to be one of those people that, oh, I, I want to do this. So I wish I could do this. But then I'm gone and nothing got accomplished. Don't be afraid to take a first step, even if it's a baby step. Do it because there's nobody like you and you are unique. Do what it is that you have a passion or you think that you might like to do. If it doesn't work, then you can move on. Yeah. It's just like when I was taking my um, stepdaughter to ice skating group and they would say to them, listen, if you fall, you can always get up. You can always get up and do something else as long as you don't really, you know, fall to your death. But, <laughs> you know, you can you can get up and go somewhere else and believe in yourself. Yeah. You know, don't listen to those ants in your head, those automatic negative thoughts that come along with you know, your other positive thoughts, because we all have them, I think, ants, these automatic negative thoughts. Get rid of those. I don't know if that was... I want to just end with one last question. We touched on it before, but again, looking at where you are today, what you've been through COVID, the things you've generated, I have a bunch, a lot of them were generated because you did some stuff with friends and people you love to work with and trust. You just picked up the damn phone and said, Hey, I want to do this thing. And because writing can be very solitary, but I just have a sense you're so steeped in community talk and theater at its best is community. You know, there's a family of actors doing a play together when it works, when it doesn't work, it's a dysfunctional family, right? When it works, it's a nice family, but can you talk about, how you experience community and what community means and having that in your life. Community for me means trust, that I trust the people that I'm around Mm -hmm. and that they trust me, that they trust that I say that I'm going to do what I say that I'm going to do. And I trust that they are going to do what they were hired to do or said, or what they said they're going to do. Community for me also means a kind of relaxation and a familiarity that when I'm around you, I could just mm-hmm. be me. Yeah. I don't have to be anybody else or put on another face. I can relax and be me. So, you know, I curse like a sailor. I hope that doesn't offend you. Can I do that around you? Okay. Uh, and if it does offend you, then I will, you know, make note of it and I'll try to be, mm-hmm. and I will be respectful of that. You yes. know what I mean? <laughs> 
is respect. Also, community is respect. And those are the things that I value in my life. Truth, honesty, respect. And I guess a loyalty in a way. Yeah. Some loyalty. Those are all beautiful words. If our listeners want to learn more about you and the work you've done, where should they look you up? Social media, Facebook, website? What's the best way to learn more or see some of the stuff that you've done, Ben Jackie Thomas? I've been lazy with my website, but you can always catch me on Facebook. Um, at Ben Jackie Performer on Facebook. I also have a personal page that you can look at and see some fun things that I'm doing. I'm also on Instagram and you can find me under Sweet Benja on Instagram. Wonderful. It was such a pleasure for me to reconnect with you and for me to yes. celebrate who you are at this stage in your life. I mean, I'm just a, it's an honor to have this conversation with you. Thank you. And I told him to not tell people how old I am, but you know, it's, I will say that I will give you the 60s. I yeah. will say that. Cool. Yeah. Don't tell nobody. Uh, I'm not going to tell him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Benja. Bye for now. Thank you so much. Bye for now. Have a good one. Thank you for hosting me. Bye-bye. Yes. Like what you heard? Please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes. Please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice. Rate us, give us a review, and let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.